McKinley Wright from the logo. Oh, got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Breaks a tackle. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, today I got to talk to Carl Durrell, and I do have audio of that call for you, uh, which we'll play at the end of that podcast. I'll hit the key points, as usual, before that, um, with the keyest point being that apparently in the email that uh, Dave Platty, the CU Sports Information Director, sent out last week telling about telling us about this call with the media on Monday there was an attachment at the bottom that had basically like uh like we get a packet every week of all the buffs information and so it'll be like here's some stats that could be broken or here's like what's going on and the whole thing is I, I mean this one was 48 pages and that's typically about the length so it's just everything you could want to know um relevant games relevant stats to the date um so many, so many different pieces of information. If you guys follow me during the season, ugh, I'm, it's crazy as thinking back to when I got to go cover things and do things regularly. But like during the season, uh, every week I tweet out the picture of the depth chart that they include in there. Um, and there was a depth chart in this packet uh, that I didn't even know he had. And I the, the crazy thing is, like, I didn't see anybody tweet about it. I even went back and searched, like, pencil CU depth chart or CU depth chart. I looked everywhere, like, all the different websites, and it's like it didn't even happen, even though this is kind of the, in my opinion, maybe the biggest football-related news that we've had in a while. Well, unless you want to call, like, the potential cancellation of a football season news, uh, which I guess you uh, probably should. So... Um, we're going to dig into this, uh, it uh, obviously just got put in front of me for the first time and I have some thoughts right away, but, uh, you know what, let's get through some of these big thoughts. Um, and then we'll talk about this more in the future. Still haven't heard what assistant coaches we're hearing from Tuesday or Wednesday. I do believe that is still the plan. Um, so yeah, um, the key points real quickly uh receivers you'll remember last year they had the ors on there so it was like katie nixon or um i think so they have three receiver spots listed just like they had three receiver spots listed um last year before the season and it was typically uh something like katie nixon or um tony brown at one spot and then Katie Nixon or Dimitri Stanley at another spot. And what you read into that is that obviously Visca has that one of the receiver spots locked down. Katie Nixon will get one of the other two, but you don't know whether he's going to be playing in the slot because Tony Brown won or whether he's playing outside because Dimitri Stanley won. That's basically how you read that. There are ors again, and 
they're very interesting. Um, and again, this is a very fluid depth chart. There was no spring practice. A lot of these guys, like, I, I mean, all these guys, the coaches haven't been able to get on the field with and work. Like, they're watching film. They're talking to them in meetings. They're seeing who looks fit on Zoom calls. And that's basically the information they have. So this is probably going to be the least useful June depth chart, which are typically fairly not useful, unuseful, unusable. I don't even know. But uh, yeah, um, I just wanted to throw like as many asterisks and caveats around all this as I could. But without further ado, your receivers, Um, Daniel Arias listed first. um, And then the other two spots, Katie Nixon or Maurice Bell. And Dimitri Stanley or Katie Nixon. So it looks like it's Arias, Katie, Dimitri, um, but Mobel could beat out Dimitri and switch things around in that offense. Worth noting that for those first two receiver spots, Vontae Chenault is the next one up. So he's the primary backup to Daniel Arias. Uh, the second spot's Katie Nixon or Maurice Bell, and then it's Levante Chenault right behind him. Um, and then at the other spot, it's Jalen Jackson behind Katie Nixon, and then Curtis Cheverini. So that's your slot uh, spot, obviously. Curtis, more traditional slot option. Jalen Jackson, more your speed slot guy. Um, some mild surprises. Um, I, this one isn't. Will, Will Sherman, left tackle. We expected him to move over. Um, you also, uh, the only other surprise on the offensive line, I guess, was right guard Kanan Ray, uh, ahead of Casey Roddick. They also have Carson Lee listed as a right guard, the freshman who's who we all thought was a center, but maybe that means that Colby Purcell has that inside center spot locked up, um, and, and maybe they're trying to get an opportunity for Carson to get some playing time. Um, I'll read more into this stuff later. Um, uh, also, again, uh, uh, worth noting at tight end, Brady Russell, the number one, of course. Behind him, Luke Stillwell. Matt Lynch. So a couple of guys they brought in over the offseason um, with the injury to Jared Poplowski. Um, you know, it, it makes sense. You kind of wondered if somebody who had been around would jump up in there, but this is this makes sense. And then the big one, quarterback. Uh, Tyler Lytle listed first, then Sam Neuer, then Brendan Lewis. I wouldn't read too much into that. Again, this it's early. That's one of the positions that's going to be tougher to shake out. Um you know, when you're when you're making some of these decisions like Daniel Arias not getting an or or I guess what they're saying about Daniel Arias is that he's their big body guy. And no matter what, Katie Nixon isn't going to take that from him. Um, so so Vontae is backing him up and again, like at least they have some information there. They've seen Arias a little bit. He's he's made some plays in games. Um, and you could say the same thing about Tyler Lytle. He has real game experience. There's at least some tape. Um, Sam Noir, Brendan Lewis, again, I wouldn't read too much into this order. Um, tailback, again, this one maybe is where you do read more into it. Um, starter, Alex Fontenot. And then there's an or for the second spot. An or for the number two running back. Uh, the first one is Jaron Mangum, first one listed. Uh, the second is Deion Smith. Um, both sophomores, um, Interesting. You know, I've been kind of pushing Deion Smith as a piece who's going to be in this offense. This makes if if Deion had been very low on this list, I would have had to go back and question myself. So I'm glad I don't have to do that. But yeah, I mean, like 
I could see it. I could see Dion, and when he's put on the weight that he's put on, put on the muscle. Let's clarify, put on the muscle he's put on um, going into his sophomore year. But yeah, um, Joe Davis then is listed fourth. I guess you could call it third if you want to call like the second place the or Jaron Mangum, Dion Smith, Ashad Clayton not listed, wasn't on campus. Um, so we'll see where he factors in after all this. Um, we're defense again I'm, I'm it's really hard just to uh, to take the key takeaways because I, I there was a question about this so if you guys are going to stick around and listen to the whole podcast there was a question and somebody said you have a uh, chris miller listed as a safety in your pencil depth chart and i was like wait a minute pencil depth chart what did i miss um quite a bit quite a bit and but yeah we're here now i'm like three days late but uh Chris Miller, obviously, that's one big takeaway. This is all just hitting me in the face. Uh, yeah, so Chris Chris Miller listed strong safety next to Darian Rakestraw with Isaiah Lewis and Jalen Stryker backing them up. Cornerback is interesting. Um, KJ Trujillo starting on the left side, backed up by Nigel Bethel. Other starting cornerback, the right side, Tariq Luckett is starting with Makai Blackman backing him up. So uh, KJ and Tariq starting, Bethel and Blackman um, backing him up. They're all sophomores except for Makai Blackman, who is a junior. Um, then you, I mean, you look at the safeties. Chris Miller and Jalen Stryker at strong safety, both sophomores. Free safety, sophomore Darian Rakestraw with Isaiah Lewis, a junior, backing him up. I mean, we're about to hit the golden years of the buff secondary, which is crazy to say. Like, I'm not being ignorant to the people who've already come through, but this is exciting. Um, no, it's also really exciting having new news that buffs. I, this is I'm having the time of my life right now. Um, let's see. Okay, outside linebackers, they have Jamar Montgomery starting and Carson Wells starting with Guy Thomas and Joshka Gustav um, backing them up. Not huge surprises there. Oh, their star back. Uh, Mark Perry listed first with Josh Allen behind him. Makes sense to me. Um, I guess Josh does surprise me a little more because he's more of your traditional linebacker. But I guess that, I mean, when you when you see that, I mean, Mark Perry, 200 pounds with Josh Allen, 240 backing him up. Um, you almost wonder if this is going to be a, a position that's split in half. You know, on rundowns, they might bring in Josh Allen, and on passing downs, have Mark Perry. Or, I mean, and then on real passing downs, you know, like a third and ten, maybe that's where you go with that dime look where Mark goes in and plays the money position, and then you bring in another cornerback to play the star. Again, these are complicated positions, and there's so many different things you can do with them. Uh, with Tyson Summers coming back, you expect it to be very similar to last year. Um Last year, Davion played that position. Um, so, yeah, uh, interesting that Josh Allen's backing him up there because I thought Josh really had a chance to start at linebacker next to Nate Landman. Um, so Nate is starting, of course. Um, next to him is Akil Jones, another senior. Um, so they have Nate's backup listed as Marvin Ham, and then Alec Pell. Akil Jones' backup is John Van Deese followed by Quinn Perry. Um, and again, you don't really know whether this is a situation where because Marvin Ham is listed as like the first 
backup linebacker listed, if that means that he is like the third inside linebacker, or if there is a distinction between those two positions and they'd rather have John Van Deest go step into Akil Jones's role than have Marvin Ham go across into that, if that makes sense. Um, wow. Uh, again, I, I took like a quick peek at this before I jumped in. Mostly I was just trying to find it and then realized it was in that email. Um, but no, this is... I'm, Seriously, he's loving this. Uh, nose tackle, Jalen saw me first with Janaz Jordan, Austin Williams um, behind him. The or, Janaz Jordan or Austin Williams. That's your nose tackle uh, behind Jalen Sammy. And then Lloyd Murray backing them up. Um, they have it. So in this 3-4, they call it defensive end, nose tackle, defensive tackle. So that was nose tackle, which lines up head on on the center. Defensive tackle. They've got... Oh, I clicked a button. They've got Naim Rodman first with Jeremiah Doss behind him. Jaden Simon third. That makes sense as well. Defensive end, Mustafa Johnson first with Terrence Lang second. And then Dante Spiracco and then Justin Jackson. Uh, Very veteran group of defensive ends. Um, You know, Terrence Lang, they're going to find a way to put him on the field. Um, The... Just because he's listed as a backup, um, I, I I mean, we all saw him play. We, I don't need to talk about that. Um, punter, Josh Watts. Um, kicker, Stefano, of course. Uh, the returners, so punt return first. They have two listed, Dimitri Stanley and then Katie Nixon. Kickoff return is Katie Nixon and then Dimitri Stanley. There's a third listed, and that's Dion Smith. Holder. Josh Watts, the punter, uh, and then Sam Neuer, and then Matt Ryan, another backup quarterback. Huh. He's a quarterback with number 26. I, it's interesting. Um, snapper, Brady Russell. Love that. Um, coverage, return unit regulars, Daniel Arias, Isaiah Lewis, Joe Davis, Nico Magri, Jalen Sami. You you wonder if that's almost like a badge of honor for Jalen Sami, like whether he'd get listed as that return unit regular coverage unit regular if it weren't for that tackle last year because so many guys play these spots you don't have to list them all but but you kind of just throw out some of your impact players or I guess right now your expected impact players Uh, I do like to see them reward Jalen Sami with a that name right there you guys remember that tackle um and then the two injured players Jarek Broussard Jared Poplowski um, yeah, I think that, uh, that's about it for that. We'll, we'll dig in and read way too much into this in the next couple of days. I think we're talking to assistant coaches these next two days. I said that earlier, uh, but we haven't heard what time or who. So I, I'll try to filter some of this information in. Wow. There's again, there's 48 pages of information. Okay. Well, uh, there is that really fun piece of the dnvr buffs week that's uh i don't know i'm gonna have to write something about that once i have time to process all of these thoughts i'm having um but we also had a chance to talk to carl Durrell today and he brought up some of that stuff uh and, and we're gonna talk about that after i tell you about breckenridge brewery 
And I wish I could justify spending all day sitting here just telling you about how much I love those beers. Um, I have friends. I was out golfing with a friend a couple days ago who snuck some beers on the course because we're kids who can't afford to buy all real beers. They don't even have drink cards out there. It's not our fault anymore. Um, but but uh, it was his first time trying the Colorado Core. And he, he asked me if it was a new one because he tries to like follow along because this is my job and we have to support me. But uh, I was like, no, this has been around for forever. And he was like, wow, it's so good. And again, it's just... I am put in a position because of what I do where I get to see people try beers for the first time and resoundingly people love Breckenridge beers. Like we go to a watch party and somebody's there and they're like, oh, I've never tried the Strawberry Sky before, but you guys always talk about it. I got to give it a run and they have it and it's incredible. Like I, I know I throw a lot of hype at Breckenridge, but it really is just incredible beer. Um, And I hope that you guys are taking advantage of them being our partner because you get to help us help them and help them help us and get a little bit drunk while you do it all. Uh, the farmhouse also has some great deals and incredible food. It, I haven't been out there in too long now that I think of it, but, but yeah, it's really good. If you use the code DNVR, you can get $5 off your meal, uh, curbside pickup delivery, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's just good food and it's good beer and they just know what they're doing out there. Um, so yeah, Breckenridge brewery, love them. Also, I also want to tell you guys about MSU Denver online. It's an incredible option. Whether you're trying to change career fields or get ahead in your career field, go to that website, msudenver.com backslash online. It'll show you over 40 different programs that will give you a degree that are online uh, it'll also show you all 750 plus different courses that you can take online. So even if you aren't looking for a degree, you just see something on there you think is interesting, you can just take that class for fun. I know a lot of us have a lot of time to kill right now. If that sounds like you, then why not just check out what they have uh, to offer? Uh, it's It really is an impressive school. Uh, you can look through all the stats for yourself. Um, I love looking at the rate of graduates who stay in Denver. I think that for a, a lot of us who want to stay here, that can be so appealing because it means that you have connections. It, once you go through one of the programs at your school, uh, if, you, if you're staying in touch with your professor, saying, you know, hey, this is the kind of stuff I want to get into, they can make those connections and make it really easy for you guys to keep improving your life if that's the route that you want to go about trying to do that. Um, really just love um, MSU Denver and all the things that they've done for us to support us. And again, that website is msudenver.com backslash online check it out okay um i don't have too many thoughts on this carl durell um interview he pretty much speaks for himself uh since we ran through that depth chart i will say you know the question was about chris miller because he was listed as a safety um and carl said yeah he can do a lot of different things he is physically capable of doing a lot of things um and he can he can play cornerback, he can play safety, he can play the star, he can do all sorts of different stuff for this defense. What we're trying to figure out is how much we can put into his brain and how many different things we can get him to do. 
Um, and it kind of reminds me of like the Davion Taylor situation last year, where you look at Davion and say, your very best situation is when you are put in a dime defense and you're playing linebacker. So you're essentially the, the the sixth DB on. You're replacing one of the inside linebackers. You're just patrolling the middle of the field. That is where he's at his best. In the Buffs defense, by the way, that's called the money position. Um, but how often is a defense in dime? Probably 10% of the time, maybe 15% of the time. And with a player like Davion, who's a, a third-round NFL draft pick, you got to get him on the field more than that. And so you look at that and say, here's his best scenario. But we know that he can. He also has the skill set to play the star position, which will get him on the field so much more. And if he has the versatility to play as our base slot defender and then move inside and learn this position as well, then we're going to feel like we're getting the most out of him. Um, and and he did that. Um, and again, it's it, there, there were some hurdles um, in part because... In, in the short amount of time that he had been playing football, he'd been asked to play so many different positions, or even when he was playing the same position, the responsibilities were different in each of the defenses. Uh, for Chris Miller now, it's kind of that similar question. We like you in the slot. We like you at cornerback. We like you at safety. How do we put you in a situation where you are playing your very best possible football, but also make sure we're not just cherry picking the best situations and not getting you on the field enough. Um, and again, I don't think that this is a knock on Chris Miller's um, intelligence or anything like that. It definitely shouldn't be. Don't take it that way. Um, but I mean, that's just the truth is there's a lot of information that needs to be processed and you got to put him on the field and see what he can do. Uh, and I thought that was kind of interesting. I, I I am really excited. And this is something that we've talked about before on this podcast. How, how do you structure this secondary? And I think when we were talking about the corners, I said, you got to throw a cornerback back there at safety because that's the only way you get your talent on the field. You know, maybe those guys that we haven't seen all that much of who are, you know, playing those backup jobs or were last year can fill one of those jobs. But the truth is we haven't seen them perform that way. Um, so, so while it could make sense to just say Isaiah Lewis, yep, you are starting safety. You're the next one up across from Darian Rakestraw to say, you know what? We can have Tariq Luckett man right corner. We can have KJ Trujillo man the left corner. And then we still have Nigel Bethel and Makai Blackman behind them. Uh, don't forget about Dylan Thomas either, who I thought, looked like he had a whole bunch of potential. Um, the point is, you don't need Chris Miller at cornerback anymore in the way that you did need him at the beginning of the season last year. I think that if they had had Chris Miller um, for you know that first half of the season before the defense really broke out in the second half, I think that that could have been the perfect scenario um, because he was ready to play. It wasn't like K.J. Trujillo who had to learn on the job. Uh but now that those other cornerbacks have had that time to develop and grow and become guys that you can rely on, they aren't just guys who you throw back there to say, hey, you know what? It might not go well, but we're going to learn a lot and we might be really intrigued by what we see. That's not it anymore. With KJ Trujillo, you're saying, we want you to be an all Pac-12 corner. Tariq Luckett, I think you could probably say the same thing. Um, maybe the odds of success aren't quite as high as they will be next year or even the year after. And that's the crazy thing is that this is going to be your starting cornerback duo likely for the next three seasons. 
Um, but, you know, it is time to let those guys go play, and that means Chris Miller can move back to safety. He can play some in the star. You know, if Mark Perry moves in and takes that Davion Taylor linebacker role in the dime defense, um, you're, you're opening up some options by putting Chris Miller on the field, and you feel like you're maximizing your talent. Um, boy, do I wish we could just hear a coach say, oh, he looked fast at practice today. Or, oh, he was really making plays on the ball. Or like, oh, it looked like he was in the quarterback set. Just anything, any sort of report so we could start to kind of build our knowledge of what he is as a player. And, you know, I guess we've seen some, but not much of safety Chris Miller, which I'm really excited for because obviously he's bringing a lot of speed to that position. And then you look at the other corners that are out there, you know, KJ Trujillo at 165 pounds, Makai Blackman, 170, Nigel Bethel's only 170. Um, there, there's speed all over this defense, even though it is so bulky up front. That's another thing that Carl Durrell talked about. Um, and, and that's that those last few weeks of the season uh, here, well, let me set this up differently. Uh, Carl was asked what he thought when he saw the tape, if there were things that jumped out to him. And and the first thing that Carl said was that they need to improve in the trenches, that there were points where they were doing really well offensively or defensively, but they need to be more consistent. Um, it can't just be the last four or five weeks of the season like it was last year. Um, and that's what you want to hear, because I think a lot of us were kind of concerned about the offensive line um, because of the departure of Chris Kapilovic, who was the offensive line coach and followed Mel to Michigan State. Uh, I actually thought that there was a good chance he could be brought back here as an offensive coordinator because that's how I see him. I think he's that quality of a coach. Um, so it is kind of scary to see somebody like that leave. It is good to hear Carl say, and you know, he's not bashing the offensive line, but he said, you know, there's room for improvement there and we need to improve there. And and that makes that loss hurt a little bit less, especially when it comes with the fact that Carl is saying that we are, we are going to prioritize this. This isn't going to be um, something that gets ignored here. Um, so I really like that. Same thing defensively. He said, you can't let him run the ball. And toward the end of the season, they were able to pull that together. But uh, you need to consistently through the entire season not let the other teams run the ball. Uh, That's what I like to hear. That's how you start on defense. Um, Toward the edges of the defense, not quite as much insight there. You know, you got to set the edge. You got to win your one-on-one matchups outside. Um, You have to play as a unit. He he brought that up with the secondary, and he brought that up specifically with KJ and Tariq Luckett, where he said, you know, they're making plays. What we need to do is make this secondary play together. And and I really like that as well, especially with this defense. You know, you can get away with kind of this one-on-one, me-against-the-world mentality when you're playing, um, but like, uh, actually the Broncos Super Bowl defense. Again, there's a good example of a defense that really was cornerbacks, people in coverage, left one-on-one on an island. We're going to rush the passer in front of them. Um and in that situation, you know, KJ's responsibility is to line up against, um, well, actually, it's probably Tariq Luckett's responsibility. And that's a crazy thing. At six foot three, um, he's probably going to be going up against other teams' number ones. Um, but if Tariq Luckett's going up against another team's number one, he can't just be thinking, 
I need to stop him from getting the ball. He needs to understand what's going on around him. He has to know where the other defenders are going to be because he's watching the play develop. Um, is there somebody, if he's playing outside, he's going to be on the boundary playing cornerback. Um, there's likely a linebacker at the zone inside next to him. You know, if a tight end runs a, uh, let's call it a dig route, that's going to pull that linebacker inside and leave a little patch of space uh, to the inside to the of uh, Tariq Luckett's zone. And he needs to know if that space is going to be there because he's watching the play develop and because he understands the defense. He understands when that linebacker is going to follow the tight end, when he's going to pass him off. All these different pieces to to recognize what's going on around you, who am I responsible for, and what am I responsible and doing to him? Am I trying to push him inside? Am I trying to push him to help? Am I just taking the play away? And again, with every defense, it's different. But in these zone defenses that are very complex, like the Mel Tucker defense, we can stop calling it that. It's the Tyson Summers defense, maybe the Nick Saban defense now. Um, But in this defensive system where it's a lot of cover three, a lot of cover two, um, it's not a whole lot of man coverage, that's that chemistry is so important. Um, And uh, I almost said you don't see it too much in other areas in football, but you kind of do. You know, the offensive line, um, you definitely see it. Uh, Quarterback and receivers, you definitely see it. When to cut off routes, when to make what read. Um, but, But yeah, for the secondary, I do think that it is very, very important, especially in this scheme, for everybody to be on the same page. But, when you look at the five guys they're going to have on the field, Mark Perry, KJ Trujillo, Darian Rakestraw, Chris Miller, Tariq Luckett, you feel pretty good about that, especially with Nigel Bethel, Jalen Stryker, Makai Blackman. Remember when Makai Blackman was the star of camp last year? It's too bad his season went the way it did and we didn't get to see more of him, but there's no reason that he couldn't wind up being an all-pack 12 corner this year. You know, Nigel Bethel, we haven't seen much of it all, but he was barely high, very highly regarded as a cr- recruit. He stuck around at Colorado through this coaching state change. More importantly, he stuck around as he saw these other defensive backs develop and take the jobs in front of him, but he still thinks he's going to have time to play. He's a sophomore. Uh, KJ Trujillo is a sophomore. Tariq Luckett's a sophomore. Chris Miller's a sophomore. Jalen Stryker's a sophomore. Mark Perry's a sophomore. You know, that to, to stick around when you know you're the outsider, you're the new guy trying to win reps away from other guys, that uh, that that shows some confidence at the very least. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about the secondary. Um, anything else that I wanted to bring up? Uh, he, he did have some interesting things to say about how having the offseason structured how this offseason has been structured as compared to a typical year compared to 2019 for example how that's kind of impacted and the question was and it was a good question i like the question was don't even think about where other teams are at don't think about how prepared you are for the season compared to other teams just think about how prepared your team is compared to at this point in a normal year you know, so we're not worried about like, is this fair? We're worried about how much of a setback football wise is this really just in the most pure form. And Carl said, they're not behind at all. <laughs> and that kind of surprised me. I was like, okay, coach talk. They're, they're making the most of it. But then he explained it and he said, yeah, we, we missed out on all of our practices in April. Um, and I guess half of March there were practices too, but 
during May, usually that's a recovery time. Usually that's when the entire team saying, okay, made it through camp, time to relax a bit. And he said that that's what he'd want them to do, that he would want them to sit back. And like, he doesn't want them to just go out of shape, but for them to take some time off to rest after all that, and then get ready to build back up again in July. Instead, they only had meetings during March and April. There we go. And they continued those meetings into May. And so he said that in terms of the install, explaining the offensive systems, whose responsibilities are what, where, they're way ahead of where they would be because they've had that extra time. You know, they're worlds ahead of in terms of their installing of the offensive and defensive systems, I guess more offensive, they're, they're worlds ahead of where they would be. The question is, how well do they do it and what little things they need to tweak out because they haven't been able to see them on the field. Where are there some misunderstandings that'll pop up? Um, some people who can't fulfill what's being asked of them, and so that ne- means that there's going to be a tweak to to the offensive system. Um, and, and that process will start in July, but I think it was good to hear him say that, um, especially because we thought that the Buffs would be really at a disadvantage um, because they aren't as well set up to go through uh, the, this offseason that we're going through um, because they have a new head coach, because they have a new quarterback, um, new new offensive systems, um, and whatever else is going on too. Uh, so, th- so that was also good to hear. Um, I guess he did have a couple quick notes. Uh, they have started giving players physicals. Um, they, they have to go through the physical before they can... Uh, get into the the gym when it opens june 15th they will be starting testing for the coronavirus this week and again you have to pass the test um but yeah i think it i think it might be about time to let you guys uh listen to carl for yourself so that's what we're gonna do um that's it from me today. I didn't look at the comments today. I will get to those tomorrow. If you guys listened to anything I had to say, I guess, but also anything Carl had to say, you pulled something else that you wanted to emphasize, I think should be emphasized, throw that in the comment section, the post for this podcast. And I know, you know what? I'll throw this uh, I'll throw this uh, 2020 pencil depth chart in the body of this show too, uh, in the post of the show so that you can uh, take a look for yourself. Because I know me reading a depth chart in hindsight probably wasn't all that interesting. But it was so much fun for me because I hadn't seen it. Um, Okay, yeah, I'm going to get out of your way. Here is Carl, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, I think we're ready to go. So uh, welcome to our video chat with uh, Coach Terrell today. So Carl's good with you just opening up, taking questions. So... Somebody be the first and fire away. Hello, everybody. Hey, Carl. Hey, Carl, this is uh, Neil Welk, cbuffs.com. Can you hear me? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I just had a, a kind of a, a different question. These last few months have been something that no coach, no, no athletic department has ever been through before. Uh, are, are there some things that you have learned uh, that you can apply moving forward on maybe how to communicate or how to do all these different things with, with your student athletes? 
it's a good question, uh, Neil. You know, the I would say as I reflect back on it, you know, normally we we wouldn't use the the Zoom or the media, com, you know, conference call, you know, aspect of things in our normal process of coaching. So I think that was the the biggest transition was for players and coaches to get used to this way of communicating. And it actually has been uh, very, very well. You know, we, our players have been able to uh, get the information digested, be able to ask questions, be able to um, really dive into all aspects of what we've been doing for the last several months with our offense, defense, special teams. Um, the only thing we haven't done is obviously the reps physically <laughs> to to get the information, you know, worked on. But I would say to everyone's credit, you know, they they really, even with myself at the beginning, there was some reluctance, I would say. But then when we finally found a groove as to how it works and how we can make it a useful tool for us on a day-to-day basis, which a lot of our coaches are experts now, um, it's been actually very, very good. So we plan to use uh, the virtual meetings even through the summer. Uh, We have our players just start working out on the 15th, the week from today. And when we still do our meetings though, we're not gonna be together to do meetings. We're gonna still do it virtual. So we're that comfortable with it. So it's been a, it's been a pleasingly a, a pleasant surprise for us. Hi coach, uh, this is Adam Munster Tiger from 24 seven sports. Thanks for taking the time out to do this. You mentioned that uh, voluntary workouts are scheduled to begin next Monday. Do you have a gauge yet on how many of your players will be in Boulder and tested and ready to go once that, that starts next Monday? A good majority of them that are already here right now have been tested and all the paperwork done and all that stuff. Um, tested in terms of physicals, they've done their physicals. Actually, the testing process will start this week, um, this week and next week. So we know that on the onset of this thing on the 15th, most will be done and ready to go. But we'll still have some that are still having to serve a quarantine period of time and get their physicals done and do the testing. So it's a, it's a small percentage, but I would say the bulk of the team is here and ready to go. Hey, Carl, this is Justin Guerrero with Rivals.com. I kind of just wanted to build off of Neil's opening question. And just um, in terms of all the kind of uh, the, the Zoom meetings and the virtual elements that, that you guys as, co- as coaches have had to incorporate into your daily routine in, in light of the pandemic, um, looking at virtual visits in particular with recruits and how you can pretty much bring everything that Colorado has to offer to a recruit's computer screen or, or phone, do you see virtual visits as something that, We'll stick around, I guess, when we kind of return to normality. That's a great question, too. Uh, you know, it's if it does stick around longer, I think we would be fine with that because of our usage and our experience on it right now. There's nothing that takes the place, though, of a when you have an unofficial visit and they're on campus and you have an eye contact and direct contact with families and in the 
you know, student athletes. I mean, that's that's the best of all worlds. But if it comes to a point, and this is this is quite what you're saying, is that there might be a a kid that we get laid on, you know, in the process about, you know, getting him information about us, and he's probably maybe have seen a game or two of us play, but had just doesn't know enough about the school. We can flat dig that up pretty quickly and shoot it. Hey, let's have a conference call right now and put it all in, in front of the, that family and that prospective student athlete to at least give them a pretty good idea of what the setting is. So uh, we've had really, really good feedback on all of our virtual visits. We've probably done over, oh man, uh, quite a few, I would say at least 30 plus, you know, doing these. And it's been very, very, very well received. So it is something that I think is kind of, we have in our back pocket, I would rather do it in person, but if it's something that continues to move forward in the process because the NCA wants it that way or you know, the Pac-12 wants it that way, you know, well, we can quickly uh, accommodate those wishes and still think we can get the information that needs to be brought, up, brought to the fore you know, with a, in a very good, efficient manner. Coach, it's uh, Rod Mackey from Nine News. Um, obviously, very important movement going on uh, right now, and, and some of your players, as we saw last week, were involved. Just kind of your thoughts on everything going on and your thoughts towards your players taking part in these things. I've been very pleased with my parents, re- uh, my, my players' reaction to uh, you know this issue of these social injustice and you know, systemic, you know, discrimination, all those things. We've had a great discussion about those things. This, you know, actually a week ago, Monday, we had a great team meeting for about two hours. Uh, I said some things that were very emotional. The players said some things that were very emotional. I think what we came from, what came from that was we wanted to, to quickly put something into action. This shows a, a sign of support and unity and about, you know, wanting to make this change and them being a big factor and being a, taking a step forward in that process. So we did organize that rally, um, Rod, last Friday, and it went very well. Uh, I've had a couple of our players speak at it. You know, it was a well-received. Um, we had a number of people, not just on the football side, but, you know, a number of our student athletes. We've had faculty uh, people in our athletic department, um, and just, you know, just casual bystanders in and around campus that got word of it that wanted to be a part of it. And it was, it was good to see that we probably had roughly between four and 500 people when you say Dave that came, but, um, I think it was a really good turnout. I think it was a really positive step of us being proactive about the process, like most of the country is dealing with right now. And we talked as recently as this morning that we probably want to do something actively at least once a month. Now, I'm not saying we're going to protest, but I I would say that we want to make make for certain that this subject doesn't just kind of wane with as time goes by, which a lot of these things tend to do from time to time. So it is definitely, Rod, something that's going to be on our agenda throughout the year. Um, I think it's important for our country to uh to to kind of step up like this and empower our young people to to be a big part of the process you know voting is going to be big this year you know with everything that's going on um in november so there's there's a lot of big dynamics that that are they're about to come 
to the forefront here in a short period of time. And I think our young people should be involved in that. Hey coach, this is Nick Rothschild from Denver seven. Uh, to that end, uh, what are your thoughts on perhaps your players choosing to kneel during the national anthem if and when the season starts? I haven't even come to that, uh, that point in time of even suggesting that. And I don't think this, uh, and you guys have probably seen this already, but you know, most of these things that, that people have, uh, put on stage for protesting was really a not not about the flag. It, it's more about the other issues that we deal with as a country. So, but we'll cross that barrier when we get to it. We just haven't had a chance to to be together as a team. My very first team function was Friday at our, pro, uh, our peaceful protest. So that should give you a little bit of relation of, to me not having any face-to-face interaction with our team since I've been hired other than this past Friday. So uh, we know that there's definitely some issues that are on the horizon for us uh, to deal with, but we'll take them one day at a time. Hey Nick, most college teams aren't even out there for the anthem because the way the pregame is structured, the band plays the anthem about 14 minutes before kickoff. Well, that's, that's true. That's more probably from an NFL perspective when the teams come out and then they usually play the anthem for both sidelines to stand on the sidelines. That's a good point. Coach, this is Brian Howell. Um, quick question for you. Uh, you, know, you mentioned last Friday was your first team function, so I know you haven't been around these guys, but what's your process as far as picking captains? Have you done that? Have you identified any leaders and all of your uh, Zoom meetings and all the, the chances you've had to interact with these guys? We have identified some people that are some specific candidates for, for leadership positions for our team. Uh, we have not discussed that in a one, you know, in a team setting yet. So those are things that we'll probably be able to to work on and get accomplished between July and August as we go through camp. Kendra Andrews here from the Athletic. Coach, you mentioned, you know, you, you were you were hired on in February. Then then CAA started stopping things. You haven't really had face to face time. How has it been just getting to know your players, letting them know your philosophy, learning about them? all from zoom and not actually having that physical interaction with them that's been a you know as you as i you heard me say earlier you know probably not the most comfortable of mediums to do it early on which is trying to teach a little bit about your philosophy and how you're doing building your program but i as i said earlier we kind of over the last several months, I've gotten more and more used to this medium in terms of conveying information and getting feedback. And, you know, a lot of it is when there's 130 people on one call, you know, it's hard to really get a lot of interaction unless, you know, because of the, some people have poor Wi-Fi, some people have great, you know, you can't ask for every one of them to give you dialogue, but, but it's been, it's been productive. I'll, I'll just say that it's been productive. Has it been the best? No but it has been productive where we are moving forward. We are getting better with getting those, those things in place that our team is, is really starting to buy into. Um, and I think it's, you know, I have to give it to our young people. They've, they've adapted to this line of, of learning and, and getting information just as much as we've learned how to convey this information. It's been a struggle on their side of it on the early onset, but I think they're, they have a comfort level now. So, is it the best thing? No, but it's the it's the best thing for me right now in terms of getting some things established in and around the program. Coach, this is Pat Rooney from the Boulder Daily Camera. Thanks for doing this. 
welcome. Um, kind of a two-part question on the virus testing. Uh, I guess, first of all, we've seen you know, some schools, I think Oklahoma State and Auburn, have announced uh, you know X amount of players have, have tested positive. Will, will, will your team be doing that if there's positive tests? Obviously not saying that the guys have names, but announcing that there, there might be positive tests. And then just beyond that, how important is maybe uh, the next month across the country to see how that goes, to see what the college football season will look like as far as starting on time and fans in the stands and all that stuff? I would say that's extremely important <laughs> because that's really what the NCAA and these conferences are waiting on is how is the process going to work? The implementation of the policies that we've put on all our campuses, how is it going to work? I mean, how is it, you know, in terms of, uh, is it going to create a bigger outbreak? Is it going to be able to be sustainable? All of those things you were just mentioning, I think that's, that's the testing mechanism that we're going to go through this summer. And there's some strict protocol you know, there's strict protocol that we're doing as coaches in the building. I just walked all the way across campus because I was going to check out a new dorm, but just prior to this call, and I'm outside with this mask on. It's a pain in the you-know-what, wearing a mask outside when you know that that's really the policy they want you to have on campus. Well, we kept them on all the way, you know, to the across campus and back. And, you know, it's the same thing. We just got to buy in and, and understand what we're trying to get done. We all want football to be here this, you know, this fall. And we got to do what's in our best interest and, and as best we can adhere to the policies that I think are going to give us that best chance for that to happen. So that's me preaching that to the coaches and also to our players. You know, we, at our rally, every one of our players had a mask on. So that was really, you know, they're getting the information and they're and they're applying it. So but I in answering your second part of the question, that's that's this is a big testing moment. You know that it, things are starting to open up on campuses across the country is that can we keep this this uh pandemic at a containable position i guess and i'm not a doctor remember i'm a football coach i'm just told to do things a certain way and i'm trying to adhere to those things but that is what they're trying to see is is to see if these things can be controlled we do think that there will be outbreaks or two you know that are going to be on campuses but how are we handling those things i think that's the biggest thing and that's what we're going to go through and see and you think will you, will you kind of be forthcoming if guys do uh test positive oh yeah i don't think we want to withhold any of that information from anyone um, because it affects all of us, you know, we, you know, we, we would have to, uh, you know, there's protocol that's in place when those things happen. So remember, this is a big, you know, this is a, obviously it's a global issue, but for the nation, we're all dealing with this and they're all looking at either the NFL or college football to kind of be the lead as to how to handle this thing. And, and then what are the mechanisms in place to contain it? So, you know, it's it's a big, it's an important issue right now, as you can imagine. Golf is here. I know I'm excited, and I hope you guys are too. The match, too, was so much fun. And now we have actual golf tournaments going on, just normal golf. Uh, and I'm really excited. Um, I've been planning my week around getting all my work done on Thursday and Friday, or on Tuesday and Wednesday. So on Thursday and Friday, I can just sit here in the morning and watch some golf and kind of work slowly through the day. We will see how that goes, but uh, whether I'm able to watch every second or not, you guys should be making sure that you're taking advantage of sports being back by signing up with DraftKings. 
as these sports slowly come back, you're going to wish more and more that uh, you have more of a reason to watch them. Because, you know, for me, I wasn't a huge golf fan before, but I am a diehard now, or I'm going to be a diehard. I've just decided that that's going to be who I am. Uh, and it's so much easier with DraftKings because I can throw money down on a couple of the guys who I like and really have more of a interest in what's going on in front of me. Uh, hopefully you guys do the same, like I said, and you should do that with the DraftKings Sportsbook app because they're giving away a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. That's right, $1,000. All you have to do is enter the code DNVR when you sign up. Again, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Coach, this is Nikki Jabbala with The Athletic. Um, I kind of want to go back to a lot of what's going on outside of football. And, you know, one of the ongoing conversations, of course, is diversity in the coaching ranks, um, especially in the NFL. I wanted to ask you, from, from your experience as a player, how important was it to you to have diversity among your coaches? And then in your early years with the Broncos, did you feel Pat Bowen and Mike Shanahan really valued having a diverse staff? Okay. Uh, as a player, uh, boy, you're, you're, Nikki, you're really dating me way, way back now. You're talking about <laughs> early 80s. I mean, were you probably even born there? Maybe not. I'm not sure. But a point of the matter back then, I don't think it was as, you know, what makes things so much more, has so much more exposure and relevance and things like that is, is the social media, right? Because, is you know, a lot of these things that you imagine have been going on for years beyond we've had the before we've had the technology to have this exposure instantaneously in any setting in our country or in the world so these things were were way they they occurred way way back when i was playing and i just think at that time we we felt fortunate if there were just one or two coaches on the staff that were minority you know of the coaching staff um and that's kind of was really uh, how things were back in that time frame. You know, it was, you know, you didn't see a, a lot of uh, minority coaches, but you did see, you know, a couple that were there. And I think that process has gotten better, you know, throughout the years. Um, I would say lately now with, with in college football and in the NFL, you know, there's, there's, you know, uh, there's always things that are going to be in place to try to address this issue. The NFL's way is, you know, the Rooney rule, and, and then they're actually thinking of some ways to, you know, revamp that rule. Um, I mean, that's that's those are things that are drawing attention to the issue. I don't know if those are really the clear cut, clear cut solutions to the issue. You know, I think it's just as much a societal thing than anything. As soon as we get, you know, what we're dealing with as a country uh you know the ramifications that are in our society in our neighborhoods in our in our on our campuses in our organizations as soon as we have a better feel of how we're addressing those things from that standpoint from a from a society standpoint i think it actually get better from a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different coaching uh whether it's in the coaching profession or in the business world i think it'll get better uh across the board in a lot of areas I don't know if that answered your question at all, Nikki, but it did. It did. It was great. Thank you. Okay. 
Hey, Coach, this is Justin Adams with CBS4. I know it says Nikki Adams, but I'm using my wife's Zoom, which we'll all have to adjust. Uh, but one thing, I know that there's a lot of things being said that next week is the start of voluntary workouts. But, Coach, you haven't had spring ball. You didn't have anything like that. Um, I know that as a player, um, used to play at CU, that even though there were voluntary workouts, you still had chances. The guys had chances to go you know, to a field on their own, grab a football, and go over some of the plays. Is that something that you're going to implement? Is that something that you have in mind as well, where you've been going over the plays and will help you find a quarterback to have the guys go over the plays a little bit on their own? Absolutely. And they're, they're already doing that with their own initiative. Uh, you know, our, let's say our throwing game people, the quarterbacks, receivers, backs, tight ends, you know, going against the linebackers, DBs, you know, where they're throwing, you know, throwing passes and, you know, and getting some work in. So, that that is encouraged. There's no question. You know we, you know we know that it's a it's a voluntary time frame. But but I think like you said, since we did miss spring practice and I am new and the season's almost here is going to be here before you know it. I think there's a there is a sense of urgency that our players have kind of embraced about. Let's get going. Let's get ourselves ready to go because the season we do see it's right around the corner that we have to make up for a lot of time. Okay. So I've been very pleased how they've been really creating their own initiative about doing those things, very things you were talking about. We can't, uh, we can't direct those things. We can't be present at those things. Um, but we do, they, they do have the, the, the product that's needed. You know, if they need footballs and, you know, cones and, you know, things like that, we're able to supply those things for them, but they're completely working on their own. And I've been very pleased with their efforts in doing that because they understand it. They get it. You know, they understand they missed a lot of time, you know, but, but with that being said though, we do, we don't want to make any excuses either. You know, we don't want an asterisk on any of the wins or anything this year. We, we want to do it the way that everybody else is doing it across the country. And we feel we, we should have just as good a chance to be as successful as anybody, regardless of our start. Coach Bruce Hurdle from Fox 31, following up on that, um, if the fallback is that everybody's starting from the same position and you guys are all uh, all equal in that regard, you guys clearly are not. You've got new head coach, new staff, uh, a lot of different challenges. Just from a standpoint of your own personal progress, how far are you guys behind where you normally would be at this point, taking everybody else out of the equation? Just from a standpoint of your own progress, how much further behind are you than you normally would be in the, with this pandemic? Good question, uh, Dave. And the answer to that question, I would say, I don't think I'm behind at all. I really don't. We, we try to go through every scenario at the, on the onset of this thing about, okay, how are we going to get the information for, you know, digested? How are we going to present it? You know, we've been through installs and things with our team going on, you know, two or three rounds of install. Okay. So we've done a lot of that stuff, which is probably well ahead of where you would normally be. If you think about it, I'll put it in this perspective. If we would have had spring practice, which would have been in April, and we would have had the spring game, and that would have been like the third week or so in April. And then after that, quickly, we would have done quickly a quick recap of spring, and then the coaches would be gone for a month recruiting for May, right? That's in terms of a normal year. 
that's a that's a frame of time where the players really had you know they were finishing up finals it's kind of a three or four week break before they come back for summer school they were taking a break they weren't doing anything you know they could work out on their own voluntarily you know throw on their own voluntarily but chances are they're they probably and i would have suggested too they just came out of spring practice get your body some rest go see your family you know stay in decent enough shape when you come back you know in june you see my set my, my my statement here so we missed all that in terms of that time frame to kind of decompress so put put the decompression out and say all right now we went through march april may of just flat meetings <laughs> that we've been doing for a while. So they've, they've been saturated with the information. And it's just like I said earlier, I know our players are going to know what to do. It's how we do it is going to be the important thing now. And so we're missing that time on the field to tune it up, to make it efficient, to make it where it's, you know, the information that they're doing, they're able to, you know, recall it, execute it, digest it, get it performed highly execute you know what i mean it's that type of stuff that we're at the point of what we need right now as a program so when you say that you know in terms of being behind i feel like we're well ahead from from where they are we're probably more behind on terms of just being able to rep that information and but i think because of this pandemic everybody's in the same boat so it actually puts us on a level playing field in my opinion does that make sense okay Hey, Carl, uh, Eric Christensen here with CBS4. Um, you've had ample time to go back over the team's performance last year. I'm sure you've watched the games, watched tape. I'm just curious if you've come up with any impressions about whether it's a team, whether it's a certain number of players, people who may have jumped out to you, guys you weren't familiar with who, wow, that guy can really play or that scheme was really good. I'm just wondering what you've gotten from watching the tape of last year's games. All of the above. <laughs> all of the above um i, I would say that. this i would say this um there was there was good there's a lot of good things you know particularly towards the end of the season i felt like the last four games of the year offensively we were playing smarter i think our defense really started to find themselves a little bit towards the end of the season where they they played pretty well you know that latter stretch of the season um and there's been some good individual play along the way, but what I've preached to my my team in terms of me evaluating them offensively and defensively and special teams throughout the, the bulk of their season to 12 games, I felt that there are some definite core things that we need to get better at. And part of it was uh, fundamentally both sides of our, of our front offensively and defensively, we can play a lot better. We didn't play as well as we could. Now, they showed signs where they played, particularly on defense, where they it was hard to run the ball against. And they've done some – they've had a few games where they showed that stoutness about playing their, their system well. But there's a great majority of the season that that didn't occur. Okay? So they know where they can continue to get better from that purpose. Same thing offensively. You know, we have to create, you know, better – uh, run efficiency for our running game and we did at times but we just didn't do it on a consistent level so those two areas we can continue to get better at and that was already talked to with the team sure that might have been in the end of april 
you know, we've, we've had those discussions. Um, from on the perimeter standpoint, we played a lot of new secondary players last year. Some of those secondary players were transferred over from offense. And again, just trying to gel and play together as a unit, they struggled at times, it, it, but it got better towards the end of the year. So, but I, I think the things on the perimeter that are important to me is that being able to make sure we're setting the edge on the defensive side and also on the offensive side, being able to create where you can stay on your defenders to create more run uh, room for our runners on the perimeter and to win, you know, their one-on-one matchups outside. So, you know, there's, there's, there's a number of things that we've talked about as a program, you know, that I've highlighted and, you know, did, you know, obviously PowerPoints and things like that about, and just to kind of give them an idea of the things that we need to work on right now. And that's really what our kids are doing right now is, you know, going over their notes from their meetings, going over their notes from me about what to work on. And they're doing those things proactively, you know, uh, with themselves right now. So, you know, those are the things that I I've seen throughout the year. There was definitely some good moments, like you mentioned, but, I think there's some we can play a lot better football if we can get ourselves to be more fundamentally sound, play more, with a little bit more aggressive attitude both on both sides of the ball, and and just be certain of of our role in and understanding the details of how we do things. So those things we we anticipate will get better throughout throughout this summer. Hey Carl, just a, a quick football question. This is Brian Howell. Um, speaking of you know, the guys coming back, Chris Miller. Um, listed as safety, I know it's just a pencil depth chart. You haven't been on the field with him, but what qualities do you see in Chris that might allow him to move to safety? And do you see him uh, being able to kind of play all over the, de- the defensive back? That second point, I would say, uh, Brian, is that he's he's been corners. He's he's going to be playing some safety. He'll probably play some we call a star position, which is that fifth DB in the in the you know in the alley. You know, we feel that he's a unique player that can do a lot of things. So uh, how much he'll be able to digest and do, you know, that that's to be told and, and, and found out here shortly when we get on the field. But we've told him that what we feel he can do for us on defense. We want him in multiple roles, and he's embraced that challenge. So, but it's just a matter of getting him in those positions to see if he can handle all that information. But we do plan on him being a big factor you know, on our back end, but he'll be in a, in a couple different spots. Any other questions, Neil? It looked like you kept trying to pop in to ask one. Oh, I was just uh, going to ask Carla how it was on the, uh, the 94 uh, game Zoom call. Uh, was that kind of fun to, to reconnect with some of those alums? And would you see that as, as something to do in the future to kind of keep uh, alumni engaged? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I tell you what, I, I belly laughed <laughs> for two minutes just looking at those guys that I haven't seen in such a long period of time. Uh, great players, obviously, but uh, but it's, it's fun going, when you go back to those scenarios, and even though I wasn't at that game, you know, because I was actually Arizona State that year, um, but I remember seeing it in the highlights and everybody jumping around and things like that, but they can recall it like it was yesterday. And that's, and that's the great thing about those kind of calls is that you're getting your teammates together. That's, you know, it's been over.
Okay, so I got a phone call right here, and so there's like a little pause. Here's the rest. You know, to kind of recall those moments, and it's it's a fun it's fun to be around that with guys that you are very very close with that you went to battle with and you know intimately. So it was uh, it was just fun to be part of that call because I was with those guys in '92 and '93, and and we've had a lot of success, and they're really really good players. And it, it was just fun to be able to, you know, go through a little bit of the memory lane, so to, so to speak. I do have one more. There you go. Have one more. Uh, Carl, uh, just looking at uh, the workout starting next Monday, I know you guys are having to, you know, look at state, look at that, but uh, what are those workouts going to look like, you know, as far as number of players, kind of the protocols you guys are putting in place? Well, it is going to be uh, protocol driven in terms of our numbers that we can have in each each group to work out. Um, I don't want to be specific on telling you what those numbers are, but they are going to be exactly what's mandated from our policy. Um, and it's obviously mandated throughout the whole Pac-12, which is what we, you know, we as a conference decided to do. So you might even know that from, you know, the groups of 10 and all that stuff. Uh, language that you've heard but um we we want to safely go into this you know and when i say safely this is what our players have to have been done by the 15th they've had to have gotten all the uh document information into our training room and our medical doctors which they've done they've served a seven-day quarantine while they've gotten back here and they had to serve that quarantine prior to getting tested so uh, it was them sitting first for that time frame and then getting themselves, getting their physicals. And now I told you earlier on this call, they're going to be tested uh, with, uh, with the antibody virus thing, uh, the things that are a part of our protocol. That's this week. So there's a lot of steps to this thing that is allowing for the players to actively start to participate from a weight workout standpoint. So uh, it's a pretty... You know, it's pretty tightly, you know, we're staying close to the vest on this and making sure we're, you know, dotting our I's and, and crossing our T's. And we're hoping uh, that this comes out to be a very productive way of kind of getting ourselves back as a full team at some point and, and hopefully with not too much of a setback in, in July. So, um, but the process is, is, is what it is, Brian. Uh, we're we're, we're going to operate as closely as we can to it and hoping for good things that will come as a result. Any other questions for Coach Durrell? All right, then. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Carl. Appreciate it. All right. Appreciate you guys, too. You guys have a great day. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And boat is where we station. Patient.
officially awaited. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya, hit ya, hit ya. Hit ya. Hey, hey. you on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it anytime. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the line. Yeah. My Colorado swag in the middle. Colorado swag, my 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 Colorado swag, man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag. 